Welcome to the Leaders of B2B podcast, a weekly show where we bring you interviews and in-the-weeds expertise from today's B2B experts and thought leaders. You can see more about today's episode and guest by visiting our website at leadersofb2b.com. This episode is brought to you by Content Allies. At Content Allies, we turn you and your organization into industry thought leaders. We interview you and your leadership team and then turn those interviews into articles, white papers, videos, podcasts, and social content. Learn more and say hello at contentallies.com. Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Leaders of Marketing podcast. This is the show where you will hear from marketing directors and executives of growing companies. They will share what's working, what's not, and what trends they're seeing in today's marketing. I'm your host, Jake Jorgovan, and today we have a great guest on the show for you. Today we have Gamer Gutierrez, who is actually a creative director at CVS Pharmacy. In this episode, he talks all about what it's like to be a creative in the corporate world, how to thrive and how to think about working in that kind of space, and some of the challenges of getting these really large creative projects implemented within such a large company. So Gamer just talks all about his experience, how he got into this role as the creative director at CVS, um, and then what advice he has for others who are in that same position who are trying to build up their position uh, as a creative and a marketing leader in this corporate company. All right, with all that being said, let's go ahead and dive into this interview with Gamer. All right, Gamer, so for everyone out there who doesn't know you, can you just give us uh, a little background around who you are and uh, what you do? Well, uh, my name is Gamer Gutierrez, and uh, I'm a creative director. I'm currently creative director at um, doing the our store brand and retail brand portfolio and um, at CVS Health, and um, I've had a variety of roles uh, working on healthcare and retail health and uh, launching our own brands, a variety of different things. Okay, awesome. And so, you're creative director at CVS now. But how how did you get there? Because that's you know uh, that's a title that I imagine takes a while to get up to yeah. that position. So how did you? What did your path look like to getting to where you are today? Well, I um, I actually started my career. Well, well, if I go way back, um, you know, I got into design because I it was something in high school that I sort of liked doing. And um, my my theater teacher asked me to design this poster. It was it was for the King and I, and on opening night, I worked my heart off. Uh, I'm, I I worked day and night on this thing. And when on opening night, uh, I saw about six hundred people holding this, and it was like a little piece of me was with everybody. And I was I fell in love immediately, and I still feel like that one just the rush of seeing your what you worked on out there in the world. Um, and then I ended up going to Parsons School of Design, and I started out in publishing. One of my early mentors and teachers was Fred Woodward, and um, he actually started my career, and we launched a magazine called Men's Journal with uh, Jan Wenner. And, and he was going through a, a lot of changes with Rolling Stone because he was the founder of Rolling Stone. And he found that his readers were aging and buying BMWs. And he wanted to create this magazine, you know, for that generation. And um, so that was a great experience. And I was in publishing for a long time. 
and uh, worked at in Germany for a while with German Vogue. And so that's how I started. And then eventually I got into beauty and worked for Estee Lauder companies for a while, doing a lot of their fragrance launches and working with some celebrities like Andre Agassi. And I worked with some fashion designers like Tommy Hilfiger. So it was a, it was a really varied experience of designing fragrance bottles, doing beauty packaging, doing global advertising, TV. And at the time, like digital was was not quite what it is now, but it was really a 360 degree look at creating a brand, really. And I stay, I eventually made my way to retail with The Gap and Ann Taylor and uh, worked with uh, an agency name called uh, uh, Nice LTD, where we did a variety of projects for Procter & Gamble and, and a lot of their mass brands. So, so, so the background is, um, I'd say I'd have a, I have a pretty varied background going from mass to prestige and a variety of different categories. And eventually making my way to CVS where we were doing um, uh, a retail store called Beauty 360 at the time. And it was, it seemed like a great opportunity. It was a great opportunity. And CVS at the time was going through a lot of changes and, and understanding how, how design fits into their vocabulary. So, so it was a, it was kind of a long process. Yeah. <laughs> And uh, so, yeah, so that's uh, that's nice. how it happened. So at what point in that journey did you go from being a designer to kind of starting to step into that creative director role where you were kind of leading teams or kind of taking that higher level point on projects? I'd say I'd say that probably started when I got into the beauty beauty industry, where as a designer, you, you go to school and you're you're the guy who makes the thing who, who's on the computer designing the thing. And you do well and you get promoted. And then all of a sudden, I found myself managing like 17 people. And <laughs> it's a little different than designing. Yeah, yeah. It was, <laughs> and then, but mentally, it hadn't clicked yet because mentally I was still a designer. And that step is a real, it's a difficult step because somehow if you start leading the team or not doing the work, somehow you lose ownership. But uh, it's a it's really a, a shift in thinking, where now you're you're still a creative, but you're causing the work in a much broader way, and you're leading designers, you're teaching designers, and so yeah, so that that happened in the beauty when I entered the beauty business. Okay, awesome. Um, and so I mean, what, yeah, how did you adapt to that then? Though, that change in leadership. Um, when you start actually kind of, you know, guiding this team, did you have to pick up new skills? Did you have to think about it differently? Were you, did you struggle to still express the creativity there? Or uh, absolutely. Like? Absolutely. I think, I think for me personally, it was, it was a challenge, as I mentioned, going from the guy who used to always do the work to leading a multi, a multi, you know, member in-house team. And I had to change. I had to change things. It took me a while, but I had to change my language. I had to change my skill set. I had to learn, understand budgets. I had to start thinking about how to manage people. Where one thing I remember actually is, you know, when when I was a designer, I we would all go out and have drinks after work, 
you know, and like just that, that camaraderie. And then when I started managing people, I noticed they, I stopped getting invited. <laughs> <laughs> and I felt bad, you know, it was yeah. like, wait a minute, As everybody would leave. And then the next day, everybody would be talking about what happened last night. Yeah, and yeah. I was thinking, oh, I wasn't invited. And I realized that so it took me like a while, but I realized at some point was, oh my gosh, they're all going out now and they're all bitching about me. <laughs> <laughs> the way I used to go out and bitch about my <laughs> <laughs> So that was a that was a that was a hard you know, and, and um that was a hard lesson actually. Uh because when when you're into your career, you your life and your career are kind of meld together and yeah so i realized that there was a real cl- there was a clear definition something happened yeah yeah something changed and 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 um and i had to learn other skills nice and so you it's not, i mean you went from all these like incredible companies and opportunities and everything um how are you actually making those career changes were you just kind of networking finding the right people did you ever work with recruiters or what like what led you to all those different opportunities there no it it, you sh- it was it was those things just kind of they just kind of happened they they just kind of fell on my lap um and it, it was a it was a function of just being out there and talking to people and doing my thing and just doing what i'm doing the best i can and I was just focused on that, and opportunities would come. Yeah. And what, sometimes, sometimes the opportunities were right for me. Sometimes they weren't. But usually, it's through people I in the industry that I had gotten to know, and and maybe they they liked what I was doing. And um, but none of it was really done through headhunters per se. Like I didn't really go out and get a headhunter. It was through, and if it was a headhunter, it was like. Um, Actually, the way I found out about the CVS opportunity was I was having a drink with a friend. Like I was at her place having a glass of wine. And she mentioned, and she mentioned, you know, I heard about this thing. And I don't know. Maybe, maybe, it's, maybe it'll interest you. And I looked into it. And eight years later, <laughs> right, that glass of wine just kind of changed my whole life a little bit. Yeah. But that's I think that's how a life happens, right? It's when you're out there talking to people and have relationships and 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 you're like what Dana Arnett said earlier today he was talking about the bar, this bar in Chicago and how all the comedians and the that they're out there having drinks and a lot of times like a couple of projects he got was like from having a drink at a bar with someone. And uh and I think that's how things happen. Yeah, yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Um yeah. Just kind of the, the relationships and just building strong connections and that yeah. leads to all those opportunities. Yeah, yeah. And so um, for you then, uh, you know, once you got into CVS, um, like what does your path look like there? You said it's been about eight years now. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, what has that path like? Did you go straight into the creative director role? Did you change around at all? Or what has that kind of journey been like there for you? Oh, it was, it was uh, it's been, a, I've been a creative director and um, I went from leading a variety of roles. So from leading a team of about 40 to working independently with agencies. So it was a pretty varied mm-hmm. experience Yeah, yeah. Uh, because it's a pretty big company and there are a lot of new initiatives, different initiatives. And um, I, because our retail brands is such a big part of our, what we do, it's a, such an important part of our strategy. 
like I'm now focused solely on building that portfolio yeah. and and raising the bar on that portfolio. Okay. Yeah. Nice. And so, um, with over those eight years, I mean, at the past eight years, we've seen massive changes in just terms of technology and phones and digital and everything. And so, I mean, how have you seen the industry change over the past eight years, or how has that even changed your own role there? In my role specifically where I am now? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I remember when I remember when we were talking about mobile mm-hmm. eight years ago, and I remember uh, someone made a comment because we were talking about mobile, and someone made made a comment that is mobile going to be like soccer in America, where <laughs> it's almost going to ha- it's just every year it's going to happen. Yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. going to be big. Yeah. Every year, it's gonna. It never really does. Yeah, yeah. And I thought that was an interesting comment because mobile, as you know, has taken over everything. <laughs> so it's hard to predict anything. It's hard to predict. Yeah. And um, now we're we're big advertising is is such a difficult thing to to execute on, and we're really thinking about what are the small ways we can do it. Mm-hmm. How do, what are, we start our, our conversations have changed yeah to to where where do we go more personally how do you I mean industry wise how do you get more personal mm-hmm. I mean retail in general right now everybody's trying to figure it out because retail is struggling right mm-hmm. in general and a lot of the retail leaders are saying retail has to transform in terms of being more about experience and being more less generic, mm-hmm. less of a generic experience. Because if you think about a lot of the big box stores, you walk in, you're, they're all kind of the same. Yeah, yeah. So that differentiation is going to be really important. Yeah. So that, so, so I, think convers- I think to answer your question, priorities have changed. Mm-hmm. Digital's not going to go away. Mobile's not going to go away. It's just part of our life now. Yeah. And how do we communicate to people on mobile and digital and everything else? And then in terms of retail, the conversation has changed because the conversation has now, rather than getting big, 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 put everything in there. Yeah, yeah. I think the conversation is changing to how do we personalize it? Yeah, yeah. How do we make it memorable? Yep. Or how do we create that level of convenience that people are now getting with online? Yeah, or, you yeah. Know, kind of enter into that same conversation. Yeah. It's interesting. Um, and so I guess, you know, as you're like, have your role has developed and everything, like on a day to day, what is your, your responsibilities or your job look like now? Like what's an average day in your life look like? Um, I'm on a, I'm on a lot of meetings and a lot of calls, <laughs> <laughs> but it's, uh, so, so there's probably, there's probably like a few thousand projects going on any given time. So so you have a variety of different projects happening in a different part of the phase. So in one case we're probably talking about strategy and how to how to how to set the goal. In other cases we're executing, in other cases we're doing a photo shoot. In other projects um, maybe it's more technical. So so there's a variety of different things all in different stages of a process. Yeah. Okay. So I'm, so it's, 
as you know, it's being being in a work environment. You're, it's conversation. It's talking. It's it's the conversation to push things along. Yeah, yeah. So it's that. As in, and when we spoke previously, you mentioned about um, you know working as a creative in the corporate environment, and you said one of the things that helped you was starting to look at this corporation as just a lot of conversations. And can you yeah maybe dive into that a bit more? Well, what my my talk today was about. It was called In the Lion's Den, mm -hmm. The Designer's Guide to Thriving in Corporate America. And I've been doing this a while now, and, and, I, and, I, and I've worked in a variety of different categories like beauty and mass and prestige mm -hmm. and healthcare. And all those organizations have different conversations. So if you think about a network of conversations, every organization, every corporation you can define them as a brand, a legal entity, but you can also define them as a network of conversations. So that network comprises of all the one-on-one -on -one conversations, the presentations, the meetings, the emails, the phone calls, thousands and thousands and thousands of, thousands of them happening at any given moment. Yeah. So that is the network of conversations. So, for example... I'll, I'll visit, I'll have a meeting, with, let's say, with the logistics team or something like that. And they're a completely different bunch, mm -hmm. right? They dress differently. They look differently. They talk differently. And they all have different words that they use, different methods of communication, different priorities. Um, and if you break it out, if you break it down further, like, like the logistics, like when you break it down, break down an organization, you have the creative team, the marketing team, logistics, all with their own separate network of conversations. So in theory, in order, since a, an organization is made up of that network of conversations, then the way to transform an organization that's meaningful, you have to transform that network of conversations. Yeah. So you do that through words. You do that. There's a variety of different ways of starting to do that. And one of them, like I mentioned, one of them is vocabulary. Mm -hmm. So for example, I coming from the beauty and fashion world, the way we would talk about things like, oh, I love it. It's fantastic. It's genius. Um, it's like Gucci meets Prada. Yeah, yeah. Or it's like Prada meets Starbucks. And we'd all understand those references. And when I went into healthcare, I was making the case for creative just like that. Oh, I love it. It's fantastic. And they all like had no idea what the hell I was talking about. <laughs> so I realized I had to change my vocabulary because in, in that particular organization, it, it's much more data-driven or more rational. Mm -hmm. So let's say, let's say I'm making the case for a color. And I make, make the case the color, like the color is impactful on shelf. It allows the consumer to navigate differentiation between categories. Mm -hmm. And based on our data, da-da-da-da-da, right? So the audience then understands what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. So if I started saying, oh, I love it, it's great, there, I have no credibility. Yeah, yeah. And so the different organizations, different industries, different vocabulary. Yeah, everybody talks differently. Yeah, and even different departments within different the Different departments within the company, they talk differently. Yeah. And they have different priorities and different words. So I think as designers, we, we assume that the way we sell our work is going to work to everybody. And that's not the case. Because as a designer, you go from organization, maybe you go to another organization, or even as an agency, you go, you have one client to the other, and they're all a little different. Yeah. 
and a part of the work is to understand what that difference is and how do they communicate and who, are they really getting what you're saying? Yeah. Because if not, you're never going to get good work through yeah. because there's just fundamentally no understanding. Yeah, that's interesting. And it's, mm -hmm. I imagine that's, again, a whole other skill to learn. You know, each time you interact with a new department, it's a new level of vocabulary, new yeah. understanding of their motivations. And yeah, it's, yeah. What's, what's their goal? What do they need? What's, what's important to them? And, and, and before you start, like, pushing your idea, you have no idea. Like, if you go, if you start just pushing the idea and your vision without understanding what their priorities are, what then that whether how no matter how brilliant that idea is you may never get alignment yeah. because you haven't really understood ultimate goals yeah that's interesting and and so another thing i want to hit on then also is the um like the trends of in-house versus like hiring outside agencies and i'm curious i guess in your experience what you've seen as the overall trends or mm -hmm. then even just kind of for you know you at cvs like what's how that looks and is that like how that conversation plays when you bring in an outside party to that well in my in my career it's i've mostly in in-house agencies in-house teams and i did work with an agency for a while and you know the trends go back and forth yeah yeah and i think basically what we and there's been a lot of chatter about that oh our in-house agencies becoming more this or less that and our agencies are becoming more too expensive or whatever basically there's there's always going to be both yeah yeah <laughs> all right and in different organizations you may have the weightings may be a little different depending on what the organization is and what they need yeah so now that we assume that uh, i'd like the industry to just Let's just decide, like, they're both going to be there and yeah, they're yeah. both needed, mm -hmm. depending on what's needed. And then do you and then you have to ask yourself, like, OK, does the in-house agency need to start doing X, Y, Z or start needing to do less of X, Y, Z? Mm -hmm. And how do we how do we fund and how do we resource that? Yeah. And the same thing with agencies, like where do we bring in agencies? When is it appropriate? Mm -hmm. Right. And so there's pros and cons for both, but it really comes down to what you want. Yeah. What do you want to do? Yeah. And um, I mean, I'm on the board of the in-house agency forum, and we have hundreds of members, and and there's a lot of the Fortune 500 companies with in-house agencies of like 100 people, 200 people, mm -hmm. and um, they're very having a robust. They have robust, strong in-house teams. Mm -hmm. And there's some that are struggling. Yeah, yeah. Maybe there's some that's like five. Yeah. <laughs> or two of them. Yeah. Right? And that, and I, I actually did a coaching session. I talked to someone and he was it. <laughs> <laughs> he was the in-house agency, which is an incredible opportunity for him as a, as a, as a young designer. Yeah, yeah. And, and how he can start to define what that means for that organization. Mm-hmm. So I don't think I don't think there's one answer. Uh, I think it. I think I think um, overall we both need them both. Yeah. And there are. It really depends on what is needed. Yeah. And so in the situations in your career where you've had to hire outside agencies, mm -hmm. uh, how do you go about that decision process? Is it with people you know? Do you go out and look for the right fit, or how do what's your how do you decide when you're looking for someone? Well, it depends if it's if it's a project that is. Uh, um, 
multi uh, like like a big budget and there there are going to be a lot of eyes on it or there's going to be a lot of bureaucracy in within the organization i think what helps is uh transparency and also it's a little bit of training too because maybe some of your partners internally have never worked with an agency or don't understand a difference yeah yeah so in that in that instance in that instance, um, it's great to do an RFP and and bring them in and meet and yeah yeah have them talk make their case and have them talk about what they're good at and what they can provide and who the players are. And I think there's in, in working with an agency, I think there's a couple things is is what do I need as an as an organization as a corporation, and what is this agency able to to provide yeah the services. So if it's a if it's a huge project that's very complex, I may not go to a small boutique agency. I yeah. may need to have a, a, a wide infrastructure mm-hmm. to because it just needs to man. I just need to manage the internal the internal process. Yeah, yeah. Uh, or it might be a smaller project or a more specialized project, and maybe it's more appropriate. Yeah, yeah. But I think what's helped is like is is to have have them come in. It's a little bit like dating, you know. What can you give me? What can you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and 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 it's because I and, and and I've done I've done those in the past where maybe they have all the they've checked all the boxes, but maybe there's just not a right personality fit or yeah. work style fit. Yeah, there are those sort of things that you can't really put your finger on it's just yeah yeah that makes sense yeah and so um for everyone out there all the other um you know creatives or uh, marketers or designers who are in the early stages of their career and building up uh what advice do you have for them in terms of you know how to take their point to where you know they can reach this level you're at someday oh that's a great question because uh as i mentioned i was I did a little coaching session. I talked to about 10, 10 designers today and all in varying parts of their career. Yeah, Interesting. Yeah. One of them was working on her own, mm-hmm. loving her job, doing great work, just wants to do better work. Another one is leading a team of 10. Yeah, yeah. And trying to understand how to communicate to leadership. Another one wants to get expansive. So it's a variety of different, different backgrounds and... Um, so the first, the first thing when people come and ask me those questions, the first thing I ask, like, well, what do you want? Yeah. Because if, if you don't want to know what you want, you have no idea, like, where do you go to get it? Because if you're not clear, how is anybody else going to be clear? Yeah, yeah. So I think that's step number one. Right. Do you, and those questions are, do you want to be a designer and just and, and be a designer? That's great. And do great work and be the person. Do you want to lead a team? Do you want to lead a team of five? Do you want to lead a team of a hundred? Right, all those things, all those roles have different skill sets. Mm-hmm. Because I can tell the designer right now, who's let's say maybe you're a designer who's who's the designer you want to and you want to get promoted mm-hmm. and you want to. I'm going to tell you right now is as you get promoted, as you start to lead more people, you get further and further from the work. Yeah, yeah, right, and. And that's a, as I mentioned before, it's a difficult step. Yeah. To go from 
doing the work and leading the work. It's just a different mindset and a different set of skills. And some of you may not like it. Yeah. Some of you may get to that point and you're leading a team of 10 people, 15 people, and you may have lost the, you may have lost touch with what you loved. Mm -hmm. And you find yourself, your day-to-day -day is budgets and managing conflict and managing yeah. expectations yeah. and things like that. And you're really about grooming a new young, uh, the young designers. So, so I think, uh, I think that's the message I have for you. If you're a designer who wants to aspire for the bigger things, it's great. Go for it. Just understand, start to understand what's, what's, um, what, what the pros and cons are, what you're actually going to be dealing with. Right. And if you want to go and lead a team of 50, hundred people, number one, is uh, learn the vocabulary, mm -hmm. learn the business vocabulary, um, take, a, take a class on budgeting, and, 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 and learn how to do expel, uh, ex, uh, uh, learn how to use, um, uh, gosh, I can't even remember, I can't Excel remember. Excel, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Learn how to do Excel. Um, and understand that take take understand what what leadership is and what that means and what leading people means. You got to so train yourself on those things. Yeah, nice. That's awesome. Well, I appreciate you taking the time yeah, to share yeah, this great. and everything. You were a phenomenal guest. Uh, had some amazing insights and everything. So, gamer, okay. I appreciate you taking the time. Okay, thank you very much. Appreciate it. Thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoyed this episode. You can find links and show notes from today's episode at leadersofb2b.com.